Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? Welcome to a very special live to to tape War Rocket Ajax, the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me as always is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm doing well. We are recording on a Sunday, the rare Sunday episode record, because my wife Marlene's birthday was on Thursday, and it was a lovely evening and a lovely following day when we went to a bar and celebrated so thank you for indulging me in this live to tape episode how are you i'm i'm good matt did marlene have a nice birthday she did she did she did indeed we went to uh, a restaurant in town that we've never been to before that is a bit of a risk but ended up being uh quite lovely and then uh, and then yeah we had like a Celebration with friends at a bar on Friday night, and uh, all around, all around good. All around, I did not. Win. I did not text Marlene happy birthday because I was like, "Oh, I said it on the show," forgetting that you wear headphones. That's that's true. Uh, I will be sure to let her know that you said it well in advance of her birthday. Uh, yes, and that that should be fine. Uh oh! Harrison got on the show. He he knew we were live to tape. <laughs> that's that's what the people are here for, Matt. That people is. love cats. People, I hope people love Harrison specifically, um, because you're going to hear him whether you like him or not. So, Chris, we're going to forgo the typical start of show segments, checks and recs, and comics reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to answer some listener questions on this episode. But before we do that, I do want to do one bit of business, and that bit of business is thanking our newest supporters on Patreon. That's right, Matt. These are the people who have gone all the way down to 668 Gimmick Street, which is next door to the Devil's Tramping Ground. That's right. And across the street from the local non-denominational church. Right. I mean, it's got to be where the money changers have set up, right? yeah sure yeah that's what's there you know what and you know what we're cutting the bit there (laughs) cutting the bit there if you have some money that you'd like to change into happiness for for matt wilson and chris sims for for you boys then here's the best way to do that head over to Patreon.com slash WarRocketAjax. That's where you can kick in as little as a dollar a month to help us keep the show going, help us keep doing everything that we do, and uh, most importantly, help us pay those gimmicks they keep sending in the mail called bills. That's right, Chris. And uh, you can help us out, just like Chris said, by going to Patreon.com slash WarRocketAjax and kicking in as little as a dollar a month, just like Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. That's right. Uh, Brandon is our newest Patreon supporter. If you would like to be like Brandon, uh, I I don't know if I said Gregory Packnett on last week's episode or not, but Gregory Packnett is also a newish supporter, Chris. Well, thank you, Greg. Gregory. Gregory. Thank you, Gregory. Um, if you would like to be like either Gregory or Brandon and help us out, um, go to patreon.com slash Ajax and do that. Uh, there are various rewards at various levels, including line-stepping privileges for our segments, such as Every Story Ever and Thursday Night Raw. You can also get uh, ad-free episodes of everything that we do, no matter what level of the Patreon you're at. As long as you're backing us to some level, $1 and up, you get ad-free episodes of everything in a special feed that's just for you. Uh, you can also get bonus content, bonus audio that we record, 
uh, outtakes from the show that I cut out and put on Patreon exclusively. Writing that Chris and I do, all of that um, is at that level of the Patreon. There's also physical rewards. Um, we got early designs for our 2024 t-shirt, which is going to be very fun. It's going to rule. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, like something you would be into, uh, head over to Patreon and help us out. If you can't help us out on Patreon, which we understand there are reasons why you can't do that, uh, you can help us out in other ways, namely leaving a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Google Play, or I guess it's called Google Podcasts now, or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Or you can just spread the word about the show on social media or when you see your friends in person. All right, Chris, with that, it's time for some listener questions. Let's do it. Now dig this. Matt, y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you give me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which I, is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You, you have an iPad, you got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. All right, Chris, I'm going to start with a question from our Discord. From Snowily A Summers, who asks, Okay. Have you taken a look at the vertical scroll digital comics that Marvel is doing? If so, do you think there's anything interesting that can be done with them from a craft level? Something to make them interesting and unique beyond a format slightly more suited for reading on a phone? I remember that Chris's first X-Men 92 book was also a digital first series, 
in the Infinity format, do you think the two different types of digital comics are comparable? Uh, I d- have not looked at any of these. I ha- I don't know anything about them either. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I, I know that's not a probably not a satisfying answer. <laughs> I think. Well, I think I've heard of what they, I think they're the Marvel Infinity comics. Uh, I think I've heard of some of the titles, but I haven't read them like in the vertical phone scrolling way. Yeah, that I have not. Maybe they're I, intended to be read in. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, the, I I do think there's a lot of potential for things like that. That that really only work sparingly. I think you know, like like the infinite canvas. I really think only works in a specific situation. Uh, like like there's a really good like order of the stick strip where a uh, like one of the characters is falling out of the sky. That is like one mm. continuous image, and as you scroll down, it's just like you know various places. Uh, my problem with that is that it's not as good in any other format. And I, I I don't just think that about digital comics. I don't think anyone should be doing double page spreads anymore. Because they don't work if you're reading on an iPad. And look, I like double page spreads a lot. And I like reading, you know, physical comics every now and then. But I don't like having to flip back and forth. You know, like most of my comics these days I read on an iPad. I'm reading Berserk on an iPad. And as good as, you know, like the, the, the Viz and Shonen Jump apps, for instance, are like really good at like when you scroll from one page to the next, it'll connect them. So you can kind of get the effect of having a, a double page spread, but it's not, it's not the same. And double page spreads also don't work if you bind together comics with anything but staples. That's true. So I don't think they should be doing that anymore. Yeah, they double page spreads are much less effective in like a perfect bound trade paperback for sure. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I think there's a lot of room to explore what digital comics could be. And how they could be different from print comics. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody has really got done more than scratch the surface of it yet. And sadly, I don't know that there's a ton of effort or energy being put into it. Um because comicsology is essentially dead, right? Like, there's the Amazon. You know, I still get comics through the Amazon comics storefront and everything, but that's just a that's just a clearinghouse. You know, it's not a place where pe- people are putting in actual effort into innovation like comicsology once did. Yeah, and that bums me out. And I really wish somebody would step up and fill that gap. It's it's such an obvious, clear gap that needs filling. And, you know, the publishers are trying some things, but I think it would really ramp up further if there was somebody who who could be the digital comic storefront again. For for everybody, yeah. Um, all right. Here's a question from uh, Blue Sky from Jay Godzilla, who says, "Which comic book, which comic book event do you think had a stronger effect in the books and universe after Civil War by Mark Miller or Infinite Crisis by Jeff Johns?" Mark Miller and Steve McNiven, and Jeff Johns and bunch of people drew that book. I like think that last I, she was like an artist jam. 
It really was. I think of Phil Jimenez. Yeah, I know uh, Jerry Ordway drew some of it. Yeah, it was. It was. <sighs> Infinite Crisis is a mess, man. It's <laughs> like no, it's Civil War. Civil War had a bit more of like that's. I don't even. Those two aren't even comparable to me. Well, right after Infinite Crisis, or like six, five years after Infinite Crisis, the whole DC universe got rebooted. Yeah. Five years after Civil War, they made a fucking movie about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know that either of them had an especially good impact, but the one that clearly had the more lasting impact was Civil War. Yeah. I I don't care for the comic book Civil War. But, like, I've said this before about it. It's a story. It's not a good story, or at least it's not a story I enjoy, but it's a story. Infinite Crisis isn't a story. Like, Infinite Crisis is just, like, it's fucking, it's fucking bad cow tools, man. <laughs> cow tools is bad at the Infinite Crisis. <laughs> like, nobody remembers Bane killing Judo Master, you know? Yeah. Is that the one where, like, his head gets punched off? No, uh, Bane breaks Judo Master's back in one panel. Because, you know, Bane breaks people's backs. Right, yeah. Like, that's that's what he does? Do you get it? The death I get it. I do, I get it. The death Matt, I most do you get it though, because he did he did that before I do, in another I comic it. that you might have read. I do get it. I do get it. Okay, but do you uh, get it? I the the death I remember most from Infinite Crisis is Ah, uh, somebody just gets their like head punched all the way through. Uh Psycho Pirate? It's Psycho Pirate, yes. Psycho yes. Pirate, yeah. Let me tell you, boy, the, the the hierarchy of power really changed that day. <laughs> it sure did. It sure did. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the book where Superboy Prime like beats Golden Age Superman to death. Yep. The Golden Age Superman and Superboy Prime get to go to heaven in Crisis, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is kind of also not a story. Uh, and then, And then he just comes back and... Lois Lane looks like a not Jerry Orway's best work. The artists credited on Wikipedia for Infant Crisis are Phil Jimenez, Jerry Ordway, George Perez, and Ivan Reese. Mm. So, remember how there were pages in that book that were just red? Yeah, because they were basically like just unrelated images. Uh, but also because they didn't have they didn't have time to color them. Yeah. It was like it was like in that um, Dreamcast Spider-Man game, mm-hmm. where they were like they were like, "Oh, that mist is is really filling up the city." So, <laughs> so you can only see the tops of these buildings. You can see the tops of these buildings. The draw distance is very short. Yeah. Yeah. No, Infinite Crisis. Like that's the weird thing about these books. Like. Big crossovers rarely wind up mattering at all. Yeah. So the least they can do is be enjoyable. And they're so rarely enjoyable. <laughs> it's true. Okay, here's our next question. It is from Stone Cold HCC, an account that exists only to ask questions on more Rocket Ajax. Oh, get, getting that one out of the way early this time, huh? How come it's worse to say asshole than just ass? Um, I think like the more specific you get about a, a body part, the worse it is. I don't want to. I hmm, how much of this do I actually want to say? Live to tape, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> you're not cutting anything out. The whole ass can be desirable. The asshole is nasty. I mean, 
I don't want to say this. <laughs> Matt, but like, you know, there's people out there. Who think the asshole is desirable? Yes, yeah. I, who would yeah. be, who would be into the, the, the beehole. That's what I think is funny. Stone Cold HCC. Um, if you say beehole and a hole, that's the same thing. They, they are the same thing. Yes. Like, oh, you're being a real a-hole. Oh, you're being a real b-hole. That's the same thing that you're being. Same kind of hole. Same hole. And a doesn't necessarily have to mean ass. It could mean anus. Which is, which is that hole. Which is that hole. So you don't say a-hole, you just say a. Yeah, but if you're saying you're being an a... That means that, like, that sounds like it means, like, you're giving me a good grade. Fair point. Stone Cold, I hope that helped. It almost certainly didn't, but I don't know if that was the point. David Wynn on Blue Sky with a CC to Jay Edidin says, What is the appeal of Omega Red? Dog, he's got a mutant death factor. <laughs> he's got whips for hands. There is, we've talked about this before, Matt, you and I. Mm. There is something so delightful to me about the phrases that are utter, absolute, nonsense that we accept yes as superhero fans yes mutant death factor is a big one yeah well because it's a secondary one because that very clearly not to second guess uh jim lee but like you don't get mutant death factor unless mutant healing factor is a thing Healing factor means nothing. But also, death is not the opposite of healing. It should be a mutant hurting factor. That's talking like a real citizen of Araco right now. (laughs) Comics catch up this week, everybody. But yeah, like, he has a mutant death factor, whips for hands. Pretty cool design. He shows up the first appearance, first time you ever see him in the comic, full dicks out. I mean, it's not his full dick. I mean, there's like, you know, he's naked, I guess I should say. You don't see Omega Red's. You don't see Omega Red hanging hog. You don't see Omega's Omega Red's uh Omega Head. I got one. Oh, Omega Head's good. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on it. <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. Omega Head's good. I was going to say uh, Omega Purple. I I was thinking. I I had that thought. I was trying to think of another Greek letter that would be funny. But Omega Omega Red's Iota Red. That's pretty good. Mm, I Unfortunately, know. like being on the internet has kind of ruined all Greek letters. You ain't kidding. That plus COVID. Greek letters, forget them. Get them out of here. I don't want to hear them. Jeremy anymore. Whitley had some back when I was still on Twitter. Jeremy Whitley had some uh, some very uh, funny tweets about uh, the COVID variants. Mm-hmm. Um, like talking about how how he wasn't scared of what what was the uh, God what what was it? Delta was like. It wasn't Delta. He it was like, uh, he was just talking about how he's not scared of Greek letters, and one of them he was like, "Yeah, I ain't, I ain't scared of a of a of a P with something on its back. I ain't scared of no triangles." <laughs> okay, that's a Delta. Very amusing. The Delta Force was a triangle. Uh, let's see. Okay. So I, I think that's an explanation of what the appeal of Omega Red is. Yeah, man. Like how how's that like how's that even in doubt? Here's a question from uh Chris Kaiser. The Kaiser on our 
Discord. How would Batman and Robin Will Never Die have done on Word Heavyweight Champion? Probably number one. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I have said it before. Uh, the, you got to do the full quote, though. Because it's it's not just Batman and Robin Will Never Die. It's, you're wrong. That's right. You're wrong. Batman and Robin, Batman and Robin Will Never Die. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my, my thing was always like, the reason I thought about getting a tattoo of that was, what do I like more than Batman, Robin, the fact that they are stories that will go on forever, and telling people that they're wrong? That's your jam. That's all your stuff. Love it, dog. I don't remember what was even on the Word Heavyweight Champion list now. I feel like Word Heavyweight Champion was did not work out as well as its as its premise. Hmm. Hmm. Because I would have thought you're wrong. Batman and Robin will never die. Would have been on it. We didn't pick them. Is the thing. That's true. That's true. All right. Here's our next question from Blue Sky from Zach. American Radass on B Sky. It's <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty good name. Pretty good name. What do you think the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy flicks got wrong about Big Red? Uh, I think they get the character of Hellboy pretty right. Not not George. bad. Too much of an emphasis on romance? Sure. Cause like I, I might... never thought that like Hellboy Liz Sherman was like a real driving force of that story. Yeah. What I think is wrong with those movies, it's was what's wrong with a lot of superhero movies, which is it focuses too much on the organization. Like those Hellboy movies are all about BPRD and Hellboy working for BPRD and sort of like, I don't know, the hierarchy and organizational makeup of that entity. When in the Hellboy comics, BPRD is just a means to an end. It's yeah, not I important. Why they would want to do that, though, because like BPRD is kind of a, like, it's, it's its own extant franchise, and it also has a lot of really good characters in it. Yeah, sure, yeah, and and it's a way to add more characters to the movie. But Hellboy, if you're making a movie about Hellboy, based on the comics, focus on Hellboy. You know, like those comics are largely just about Hellboy. Like, if there's a BPRD element of it, it's minimal generally. And then he's off going doing doing some weird stuff. Like I don't. In the- BPRD, I don't believe, is mentioned in The Corpse. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it is possible to translate what's so fucking good about Hellboy to film. Uh, It has not happened yet. Because so much of it is specific to Mike Mignola, both in terms of, like, just sheer art. Like, it's fun to see that dude draw stuff, uh, which is why I think, you know, I, I, I don't dislike a lot of the Hellboy stories drawn by other people, but you're never going to see a movie that looks like Richard Corbin drew it either, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, also, the moodiness, the pacing, the, like, like just how occasionally some a scene will be going on, and then there's just a panel of a skull. That's true. Like, like and that works in page composition the way that cutting to a panel of a skull wouldn't i think there is a way for a movie to be as moody as hellboy comics but there hasn't been one yeah but i think if you if you focus on if you focus on trying to recreate it visually you just get like sin city the movie yeah which, you know, works as a novelty, but isn't – it's never going to be what you want it to look like 
Unless they did like a full big budget Spider-Verse style like Hellboy movie. Animated. Which I think would be a tough sell, because again, I don't know if it would even work in motion. So much of it is about like I've been thinking about this a lot with Berserk, too, as I've been reading more of it. And so much of Berserk is about what moments uh Mira chooses to chooses chooses to show. Yeah, that's fair. Like what what gets what gets a small panel, what gets a big panel? You know, if if you're yeah. I, I think that's a challenge that a lot of art driven comics face when you're translating them to television or to movies all shots in a movie are the same size they can be at a a different distance but they're all the same size you can't and if you divide the screen that's a gimmick that is distracting in a way that like panel size is not yeah yeah it's i mean I think with both the movie adaptations of Hellboy, or at least the Guillermo del Toro adaptations of Hellboy, and the anime of Berserk, I think the original Berserk anime from the 90s and the del Toro Hellboy adaptations, the thing that both of those get right is the central character. Hellboy in the del Toro movies is pretty much Hellboy. Like Ron Perlman plays him really well. He's got the element of understatement. That's such a key component of Hellboy. He's got a good Hellboy voice for sure. Great Hellboy voice. He's, he's in most ways Hellboy and guts in the nineties berserk anime is pretty much guts. If there's one thing that anime gets, it's the character of guts. Like, the theme music that's just called Gatsu is such so perfectly representative of who that character is. Like, beneath that harsh exterior, there's so much sensitivity and pain. And, like, I think that that music is unbelievably good. And so indicative of who Guts is as a character. What both of those get wrong is not the characters, it's the world. Like, the world in those Hellboy movies isn't quite weird and spooky enough. The world in the Berserk anime isn't quite harsh and hellish enough. I I feel like the, the Del Toro Hellboy movies they make Hellboy too much of a monster mm. in terms of him like being a secret. When I think part of the the real appeal of Hellboy is like at the end of the day, he's just a guy. Like he has friends. He goes out to eat, you know? <laughs> like like, yeah, he's a big, weird looking red guy with hooves. He didn't have hooves. That was a big problem in that movie, honestly. Um but yeah, like I I think you just gotta be like, hey, monsters are real. Yeah, I, but I think that's another element of like BPRD being more important in the movie than it is in the comics because it's up to them to keep him under wraps, you know? Yeah. Like by virtue of him being a secret, it makes BPRD more important. Yeah. Also, the weird thing where you had to hit Selma Blair for her to use her powers, that was weird. And I don't think anyone ever talks about it, but that was fucking weird. Weird choice. Weird choice. It'd be like, slap me. It's like, what? That was weird. <laughs> Uh, CJ Crawl on our Discord. And then real quick, real quick, real quick. Yeah. You remember that dude in Berserk who looks like fucking 1602 Doctor Doom and turns into an angel? Yes, I do. That guy's fucking weird. That guy's weird. <laughs> That's the shit I'm reading about right now. <laughs> That's in the uh, Conviction arc? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but it's all like religious shit. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fucking uh, dude who looks like Kingpin. Yeah. What's, what's his name? <laughs> oh, what is his name? Brother something. Yeah. That dude's weird. There's like, Berserk gets real weird. 
after the first time that Guts kills a bunch of children. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking comics, man. Yeah, man. Uh, Okay. Inquisitor Mosgus. Yes, Mosgus. That's him. That's his name. He yeah. With his with with, I think I might have missed some issues. I think I might not have finished one of the hardcovers before I went into the next one. Like, is is he wearing a mask or is that just his face? It's just his face, but he's supposed to look weird because he is an apostle. Yeah, there's there's. Some fucking shit in that art that is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, our next question from Discord is from CJ Crawl. How did you honor the amazing and funny Marlene on her birthday? This question is for everyone. Uh, I, I said what we did. Uh, I got her some nice gifts that uh, y'all don't need to know what i got her uh it wasn't anything bad but i also don't (laughs) need to share it on the podcast um but also uh i I could tell everyone how they should go celebrate the amazing and funny marlene to celebrate her birthday which was a few days ago but you could still celebrate it go watch her comedy special on youtube make those numbers go up okay yeah, I think you should do it. Go make those numbers go up on the Marlene's Comedy Special. Uh, Cobra, la 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 lass. Oh, wait, I didn't get to say how I celebrated. Oh, please, by all means. By all means. Uh, I I made sure to sit, to talk about how much I hate boomers. <laughs> boomers? Boomers. <laughs> Mar- we were uh, visiting some friends yesterday, and... Marlene was talking about how she like saw a sentence that was like a test for anybody from Philly to try to get through without sounding like they're from Philly. Mm-hmm. And uh, she could not get through it without f- failing <laughs> without her Philly accent coming out at least once. Was it, was uh, it like about uh, like, bo- like boomers at the wo- at the water park? Uh, water was in it. Okay. Boomers was not in it, but there are, there were some wo- the words that kind of sounded like it. Uh, I, I wish I remembered like how it went, uh, but it was, oh, here we go. The most Philly sentence, uh, it has towel in it. Let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm going to find it because I think it's very important. Oh well. There's honestly not much that's funnier to me than when someone I I think of as not having an accent, mm-hmm. the accent slips in. Like when I said Eclair. Like when you said Eclair. Yeah. When when Marlene said Boomers. When mm-hmm. my wife says anything that is like heavily Minnesotan. It's all right. very funny to me. <laughs> the word bag. The word the word bag. Which yeah. she, like, she cannot tell the difference between how she says it and how I say it, which is very funny to me. <laughs> She's like, I'm saying what you're saying, and I'm like, the f- the fuck you are? <laughs> uh, it's I also wish I could find- when my wife slips into, spe- like, says something with a southern accent, because she lived down there for so long and lives with me. And occasionally that happens. That's also funny as hell. Yes. I wish I could find the sentence like that will make you out yourself as as a a Philly native, but I can't find it. But it does have towel, water, and uh and some other important uh words in it that will definitely reveal uh that you're from from the Philly area. Uh, Delco specifically for Marlene. Um, okay, here's a question from Cobra la 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 last from our Discord. Why do you think Detective Comics Comics hasn't brought many of the characters that were created for the Arrowverse into the comics proper yet? 
I know Harley Quinn took like seven years to go from screen to canon comics, but characters like Sarah Lance and Alex Danvers have been around almost 10 years now. Ratcatcher 2 was super popular in the Suicide Squad, but she even seems to be forgotten about. Marvel at least seemed to try to bring some of their movie characters like Coulson in, and I think they tried to make Fitz and Simmons a thing for a bit, but at least for them the attempt is made. That's interesting. Because, like, we, we've been asked, like, you know, like, like we had a Gordy's category of, like, characters who should be in the comics, and I didn't think about, like, fucking anybody from Arrow. Yeah, I don't, no. I don't know much about Alex Danvers. I know she's from the Supergirl show, right? Right. She's she's Kara's adopted sister who is a lesbian. Okay, uh, and a government agent, and she's a, she's a really good character on the show. Um, I think she actually did make it into the comics. Like, I think the like most recent, either one or or two runs of Supergirl back did introduce Alex Danvers. I think she's in there. Uh, Let's see. So, like, but, yeah, I I don't... I don't know what you would get out of it in a lot of those cases, in that, like, you know, what do you get out of Sarah Lance that you can't do with Dinah Lance? Well, I think I think Sarah Lance did not on Arrow, but on Legends of Tomorrow really yeah. distinguished herself as as a different kind of character. Yeah, look, look, I love the adventures of Sarah Lance Time Lesbian. Sure. That's that's great. When she goes back in time and like just fully starts seducing Russian queens and such, love that shit. But also, like, what do you get from Phil Coulson? You know? I mean, not much. Yeah. I've written a comic with Phil Coulson in it, and it's like, ain't nothing in there that Gabe Jones could have done. <laughs> you know? Like, th- there's there's characters that exist to fill these roles already, and it's... I don't... I, I honestly don't know. I, I think this is maybe a function of comics being a medium I prefer more than, than television and movies. But I'm always going to prefer when the character whose job that already is, is doing that job. Like, like I've also written a story with, with Nick Fury Jr. In it, Nick Fury's son, Nick Fury. Uh And I just think that's weird to have a character who is Nick Fury, but there is a different Nick Fury that's been around longer as opposed to just saying like, Oh, that's what Nick Fury looks like in the movies. And this is what Nick Fury looks like in the comics, you know? Right. Right. Which I feel like makes it sound like I'm like, I mean, yeah, you can have black characters if you know, but like, just, you know, don't shoot him down my throat. And it's not that. It's just, you know, it's just weird to have, it's just weird to me. Hopefully you know what I mean. I, I think in the, in the case of Alex Danvers, you kind of need Supergirl to be Linda Danvers to introduce her. Well, to be to be Kara Danvers in that. Well, yes, yes. In but Kara Danvers on the TV show. The problem is Kara Danvers on the TV show is multiple versions of Supergirl merged together. Yeah, and in comics, all of those versions of Supergirl are separate from each other. Yeah. And so, Kara Zor-El, in comics, is not Kara Danvers from the Supergirl TV show. And Linda Danvers is not Kara Danvers from the Supergirl TV show. Kara Danvers is like a weird combination of both of them. 
And so for me, that's where it makes it hard to bring in her, her sister, her like adoptive sister who has the last name Danvers. Yeah. I, I'm almost certain they brought her in though. Cause, cause what it is, is like when you are consciously making the choice, which you do in, in the TV shows and the movies to kind of like pick what you want from various versions of the characters mm-hmm. that gives you a little more freedom to add stuff like that. So it, it mainly like it sometimes requires rebooting a universe <laughs> to bring characters like that in. That's you true. Know, I, with, with like a Colson or like dig, you can just be like, Oh, this guy is just, you know, like a member of an organization or someone who's around now with a sister. It's slightly more complicated. Right. It's hard to retroactively fit that character in. Yeah. If they already are supposed to have had that relationship. Yeah. I, but like, you know, like sometimes when Marvel has tried it, it's worked. And sometimes it has absolutely not. Like you, you gave the Nick Fury example. Like, I don't know. It. I think they. Sh- I think Sarah Lance could fit in DC Comics right now. Like, but uh, but that's another thing where it's like, Dinah Lance in comics is Dinah Sarah Lance, right? I, I don't. She's Dinah Laurel Lance. And Laurel Lance. Oh, that's right. Black Canary is also like fucking weird because Black Canary was an Earth Two character who became an Earth One character, who post Crisis became two characters, one of whom was the other's daughter, and so went from being like the oldest member of the Justice League, if you were paying attention, to the youngest member of the Justice League. What What confused me, I think, is that on the Arrow TV show, they didn't call her Dinah; they called her Laurel. That's also weird. Why did they do that? That show was ashamed of comics for the first several seasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they should put Sarah Lance in comics. Like, just make White Canary a character. Because, like, on Arrow, she was just another backup Black Canary. But then on Legends of Tomorrow, she became her own, like, separate thing. Yeah. So... Yeah, to make make Sarah Lance a character. Why not? Okay. Uh here's another question from uh Blue Sky. Who are the characters who were the most never getting over who have actually gotten over? I could tell I mean, you I was, I was about to say in the case of Ratcatcher 2 and that last question, Ratcatcher 2 ain't going to get over cuz Ratcatcher 1 never got over, bud. Yeah, that's right. There's no need to bring in a new Ratcatcher. We barely use the one we had. I mean, I think it might be more possible for Ratcatcher 2 to get over than Ratcatcher 1 did. Oh, I agree. But I I, I take your point. There, uh, I, there might be something. I don't think we could do it as easily as we did the Groonies or the Jurgies. But there's something to going back through all those weird ass Alan Grant issues of Batman. Sure, sure. And all the uh, like the the librarian and and Ratcatcher and all like the weird stuff that that goes on in those comics. Uh, anyway, who got over? I don't know. Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Like, Squirrel Girl, a a joke character. Created- a Mort of the month. In Wizard Magazine. Boy, don't, don't, do not get me started on the dang Morts of the Month, Matt. She got over, though. Squirrel got over. Squirrel in one of the best runs of comics of all time. Yeah. I think that is the best example, the number one example of a joke C-list character who got over. Yeah. Which I think, I, I think because... I think it's easier to do that with a character who is an intentional joke than a character who is supposed to be cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, typeface ain't never getting over. Yeah. 
onomatopoeia ain't never getting over. <laughs> People thought onomatopoeia was cool. They sure did. They were wrong. They sure did. Uh, I, all right, we only have time for a couple more questions. Uh, here's one from Tales to Enrage on our Discord. Let's say DC slash Marvel by Valiant in 1996. Which characters do you think they try to get over, and which ones actually stick around? They fully... Okay, D- DC or Marvel? Because I think the answer is different. I or think is it just Marvel? Well, he said DC and DC or Marvel. I think of the two, Marvel is the more likely to absorb Valiant. Yes, absolutely. But it in the question, it it's an either or proposition. Uh, okay, if it's Marvel. Absolutely, Exo Man War gets over. Exo Man War gets pushed to the moon. Yeah, yeah. Because he's what if Iron Man was Conan the Barbarian? That's true. What if Conan was Iron Man? So we get like Armor Wars four with fucking Exo Man War. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I think they try to get Ninjak over, but I don't think it happens. I think Marvel would love Shadow Man. Probably. Probably. Because Shadow Man feels like a Marvel character, honestly. Yeah, because, I mean, they talk about Aerosmith a lot in in Marvel Comics. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Archer and Armstrong... Archer and Armstrong, I I don't know if they get over. Quantum and Woody absolutely do. Quantum and Woody get over. Quantum and Woody might be the only ones who get over at both companies. Here's the thing, though. I feel like Marvel already has duos similar to both Quantum and Woody and Archer and Armstrong. But I think you're who's right. Similar, that, who's similar to Quantum and Woody? Mm. Power Man and Iron Fist? Yeah. See, I think there's a different dynamic. There's a different dynamic, but it's still... it's a. St- mm, I don't know. I think Quantum and Woody is more likely to get over than Archer and Armstrong. I think you are right about that. I think I think what happened... Like, it is fully dependent on, the, on Priest staying on that book. Sure. Yeah. But Quantum and Woody... Quantum and Woody get over. Absolutely. Like, Quantum and Woody are... Like, like there is a Heroes for Hire book in that universe that has Quantum Woody, Power Man, Iron Fist, Archer, and Armstrong in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Harbinger as a team gets over at all. Absolutely not, no. They're, they're t- I don't think they get over in DC or Marvel. Because they're too much like teams both publishers already have. Yeah. Yeah. At DC, does Bloodshot get over? Bloodshot gets over at Marvel, does not get over at DC. I think it's the other way around. Really? Yeah, because he's too similar to the Punisher. But DC okay. doesn't really have a Punisher. So you you think he becomes like that character in the DC universe? He does kind of feel like a very DC Comics, like, part of, you know, like, Suicide Squad type character. You might be right. I might, I might be wrong about that one. I will, I will, I am willing to admit I am wrong about that. Um, Eternal Warrior? Does Eternal Warrior get over? Eternal Warrior, at both companies, is the villain of a crossover. That's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah. That absolutely happens. Do we count any of the characters that, like, didn't come over and went to Acclaim Comics, like Magnus? Like all the all the former Gold Key characters? Yeah, yeah. Magnus, uh, Solar. 
None of those, like, like those characters are, like, you remember The Law, Matt? <laughs> yeah. You remember how The Law was all the Charlton characters that they were like, we're going to put all the Charlton characters in the book, it's going to be just as good as Watchmen? I remember. I don't know if that was the thought process, but they were like, yeah, Chuck Dixon's Watchmen, it's going to happen. Um, I, I, yep. That would be what happens to those characters if they were, if they were at DC. Turok is in that category, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I ain't getting over. I think we've gone through them all. Yeah. Geomancer? Geomancer, I don't think, it's just not an exciting name. You know? Yeah, yeah. At DC, they don't get over, but in 1998, there's an 18-issue series of Archer and Armstrong that's by like, like Tom Pyre and and Bart Sears. No, Tom Pyre and Barry Kitson. That's really good, but nobody read it. Oh, you know who I forgot? Doctor Mirage. But Doctor Mirage doesn't get over. Doctor Mirage doesn't get over. Because that's another case of there are too many characters in Marvel and DC both who already do the same thing. Shadow Man? Okay. Depending on how they go with Shadow Man... I said Shadow Man gets over at Marvel. Yeah. I think Shadow Man either gets a... Like at DC, gets like a a Chuck Dixon four-issue miniseries that nobody likes. Or cares mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. or gets like a like a like like a Hitman or Starman style run, where it's like very auteur driven. I think at DC that absolutely happens in 1996. Nailed it. That's what happens to Shadow Man. Yeah, because Shadow Man or Shadow Man gets just gets a Vertigo series. Or Shadowman gets a Vertigo series, yeah. Because Shadowman feels like exactly the type of weirdo comic that DC would turn into a Vertigo series. Yeah, it, but it, it absolutely feels like, like, oh, this is the this is the the Garth Ennis book that, yeah. that happens instead of Hitman, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's on point. John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake's Shadowman. <laughs> if it's in the DCU, it's Ostrander and Mandrake, a hundred percent. If it's if it's in Vertigo, it's John Wagner and Alan Grant co-writing with Carlos Esquerra art, and it's like weird it. as shit. Yeah, I like it. I no, like no, no, it. Pat Mills, Pat Mills. It's Pat Mills. It's Pat Mills. Okay, Pat Mills. All right, it's Pat Mills. Uh, Renegade Dope Dog, true name, wants to know, should Zorro have a mustache? Yes. Asked and answered. Like, of course, uh, like, what? Of course. Should Batman have pointy ears? Uh, Boss Dog at the Gates of Hell, Patrick O'Duffy, wants to know, why did you give me this nickname anyway? It's because because I like him. If if we really wanted to be a little bit shitty about it, I think the answer would be because because you're the boss dog. I look the, he, here's who's the boss dog to me. Prior to it being Patrick Patrick O Duffy, this is true. There are certain celebrities that I refer to by specific names. When they show up, like when Adrian Brody is in something and I'm like, that's my boy, Adrian Brody. The boss dog was Jeffrey Wright. Cause Jeffrey Wright, he's the boss dog. Uh huh. I, I gave Patrick that nickname cause I like him. <laughs> cause I like him as much as I like Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> that's why he's a good guy. It's 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 fully affectionate. 
here's one, the last question we're going to take in this. I do a good job, by the way. Patrick bought me a present because I said I was depressed on last week's show. It's, oh, he's, that's he's, sweet. He's a good guy. He's a real good guy. Patrick, sweet. if you don't want me to call you the boss dog anymore, I won't. But it is a, it is, it is, it is a nickname given to you out of love. I promise. Term of endearment. Term yeah. of endearment. All right. Here's our last question. It is, it's from Derek, the boss cat. Okay. And it is your podcast partner is in a Mexican standoff with an identical clone evil. What do you say to determine which is the original and which is the imposter? That's a good one. Should we give this away? Cause I feel like this is likely to happen to us. <laughs> it's true. It's risky. It's I risky. It actually happened on the show before. <laughs> I definitely remember yelling, take the shot. I, yes, I remember that. Yes. Hmm. Okay. What do I ask you to say to know that you're the real you? And that your clone is the clone. So this is this is a good question. This is a real good question. All right. I think I know what I do. I know what I would do. Because okay. this is something we haven't really talked about on the show. So I know what I would do. All right. Do you want me to say mine first? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I pull you, but I, I have to separate the two of you to do this. Okay. Uh, I have to pull you both aside, like even take you into separate rooms and ask you to tell me a joke. And All my right. response to your joke is laughing with wild abandon that would be weird whichever one of you reacts like that <laughs> i know is the real you <laughs> i would i would simply ask you matt if i were carving a headstone okay for our friend ian johnson uh-huh. What would I put? What's the second date on that? Oh man, I don't know that I know the answer to this. I would you die. We know when E. Normus Johnson died, Matt. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. I think we have mentioned this on the show before. Or maybe it's a Boko, but uh that's a good one. That's a that's that is an inside joke. It, Ian threw me. But he, oh, oh, you thought I was saying Ian and not E period N period. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Now now I know exactly what you mean and hopefully only the real me would would know that. Uh I would certainly yeah, that, hope so. That's that's good. That's good. That's going to do it for this uh, edit-free live to tape listener question special. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you want to email us, you can do it at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com, or uh, you can contact us on Blue Sky, warrocketajax dot bsky dot social the best place to reach us might just be our discord which you have to uh have an invitation to join so if you would like an invitation hit us up in one of the other places i just mentioned and uh, we'll get you one as long as you're nice about it uh so uh yeah come join our discord if you want to WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. WarRocketWiki is the fan-run repository of all the information you could need about the show. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to MattDWilson.net to find links to 
my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me uh, by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. It has where you can find me. But honestly, it is mostly here. Yeah, you're here now. I'm here right now. And I'll be here next week, too. So until then, everybody, please don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops are not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Yeah!